Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Osman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Happy Halloween, Dustin. Happy Halloween, Zach. What are you going to be for Halloween? Uh, the guy that hands out candy to the kids. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm dressing up in no way, shape, or form. But we are, you know. I'm going to be a sad we, Atlanta we got, sports we, fan, probably. What's up? I'll be a sad Atlanta sports fan. As usual. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reliable costume. Mm. Um, this is Mind Your Banners for Halloween 2022, October 31st, for those who don't celebrate, I suppose. I'm um, not sure why you wouldn't celebrate getting to eat all your kids' candy, but that's neither here nor that's, there. That's, that's your call. Uh, right, exactly. And you're, and you're lost, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Um, we are uh, together, Dustin. So exciting. Um, and In person. The, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of football, just a little bit, because something very interesting happened today. I know you clocked it. I clocked it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get into, in particular, the Marion game. I think people have a lot of questions about this because I think a lot of people just didn't get to watch the game, so they're just really yeah. curious what happened. You wrote about it, I wrote about it, but mm. a conversation would not go amiss. Uh, but to start with football, we had Tom Allen again today um, for the first time in, well, since Rutgers. Yeah. Since, since the Rutgers lost because they and had we, the bye week and they shut everything down during right. the bye week. and mm-hmm. They did completely. After the Rutgers loss, um, Tom Allen said, you know, listen, this is boilerplate to some extent, but he said uh, every, you know, during the bye week, because of the way things are going, every position is going to be reviewed and evaluated. Mm. You know, I mean, he stopped short of saying like literally every spot is up for grabs, but like that's, right. you know, that's always kind of what a coach is intimating is like, I'm going to make some people earn their jobs back because we are just not playing well right now. Mm. Um, But again, that's also boilerplate when you're going into the bye and you aren't going to have to answer for that for 10 days and all that. Right. So today we asked about it. And um, it should be noted that, that I'm back. The, the background of this is we normally talk to Connor Bazelak on Mondays at the podium, too. Bazelak no one's, there no players are speaking this week except team captains. Mm-hmm. They have shut down all other availability. I'm not trying to make this sound like, you know, the, the, the prelude to an Apollo launch. But it is, it is, it is a, a disruption of standard operating procedure for IU football this week. Yes. Coming out of the bye week, which was already obviously a disruption of IU of, of standard of SOP. And you asked in a few different ways, different people asked. About, I asked, if, I asked his evaluation of the quarterback position and if he, if he, and he did he not, would not necessarily, he would not come out and say that, um, he didn't Connor say Bazelak who the quarterback had was lost be. the job. Yes, but he did not, by any means, um, give Bazelak a ringing endorsement. He said, yeah. "I guess we'll have to see how it plays itself out when it comes to game day." And then he said, "And I didn't get the full quote, but something like every position is up for evaluation, or, right. or you know, sort of up for whatever." Um, the point is, and then I circled back. And because so, it was very clear that he did, he was being pur- purposely evasive. Tom doesn't lie very much, but when Tom doesn't want to say the truth, like what the truth is, 
um, he, you know, dances. And there's a way of, there's an honesty to that because, I mean, it's almost like his sort of deal with us is I will never lie to you, but I will absolutely dance around the truth. Um, and this is one of those occasions where he danced around the truth and whatever that might be. I mean, he doesn't, you know, I don't know that he's made a decision that, uh, you know, it's going to be either Jack Tuttle or Dexter Williams or it's, or it's definitely not going to be Connor. But he has not decided that Connor Bazelak is starting on Saturday um, and that, you know, things are not just going to continue as such. And so I went and asked him, like, are you saying that Connor won't be starting on Saturday? And he said, you're going to have to find out on Saturday who the starter is going to be. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if I got the exact wording right there, but it was pretty close to that. So I wanted to put it to him point blank, um, which means there, bottom line, it means that there, there was there is enough reason for them to reconsider whether or not they're going to ultimately make a decision or not. And obviously, we followed up with that with Walt Bell, um, asked him about his thoughts there and said, you know, there's got been some good play, but some not great play. And um, he mentioned, obviously, you know, he's been, but obviously, I haven't put enough points on the board, haven't put more points on the board of the other team. And, you know, uh, that means you got to reconsider everything. So we're going to have a good week of practice and see who goes out there. So the point is, is that is, is it, it is at least up for grabs if it has not already been won by somebody else. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to say it. And listen, to like I don't want to speculate too much because there's every chance that Saturday mm-hmm. Connor Bazelak just runs out there. Sure. Um, yeah. And from Tom Allen's history, it's not like he hasn't made quarterback changes midstream. I don't think he likes to, though. Nobody. I, I don't. I don't think any coach does. I think right. at this point you want to be settled with who you have, but you're three and, and five, you don't, and, and you don't want. Well, but what I mean is more like mid game. I, I don't. Right. You know, I, we saw him do it with Richard Lego and Peyton Ramsey, but more broadly, I don't think he likes the optics to his team. No. Of, I said you were the starter, and then decided after one quarter of substandard play that I'm going to yank you. Like it, it. Right. I think it sends a lot of bad messages, particularly for a coach who is very sort of like, if you believe in me, I'll believe in you. And the deal, right. you know, the, the 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 pact that we've made to one another is that we can always trust each other. And sometimes that may mean brutal honesty, but it, it means I'm not going to pull the roll rug out from under you. Right. If or, I've told you you're the guy, you're the guy. Like I don't. And if, I don't. And mind if I've told you. your friend or your captain or your, your whoever, like it. it I don't want any. You know, if I'm, I think Tom Allen sees it as I don't want anyone doubting I would do it to them because I did it to somebody else. Right. Exactly. I think he wants it to be something where if he's going to remove somebody, he's going to he's going to stand up and and mm. own it in front of his team. It's like the right. the Game of Thrones thing where Ned Stark says like if you're going to execute someone, he who passes the sentence swings the sword. Mm. It, you know, it's 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 the idea that like if you're go- if he's going to make that decision, he wants to make it in a in an environment where he stands up and he owns it in front of everybody right. and explains himself as much as he feels is necessary mm. and not just sort of like, hey, look over there. Boom. Something's changed. Right. Exactly. No, I mean, he's he's very big on that. And obviously it, it, it's harder to do those things. It's harder to be as forthright as you want to be when you're losing. Um, you know, it, when, when things start to change and you, you find yourself, you know, um, faced with more and more of these decisions and some of them start to conflict and whatnot. And, and, and some of it, it becomes harder, harder to be consistent, um, in terms of what you're doing. Basically, if you're, if you're faced with enough challenges, uh, like that, when you have to consider moving people around, um, it gets harder to, you know, the more you have them, the more, it, the harder it is to stay on the same playing with all of those and, and, and handle them each the same way. Um, and you know, the, the way that you want to, but I think that's obviously something that, that Alan wants to do is be able to be as forthright, uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff as possible. And, you know, obviously for that matter, he tries to keep it 
as you know as, as little in the media as possible but he you know to his credit uh tends not to want to flat out lie to us which you know i appreciate but you know was it definitely you know from the start of the season said you know i want to have one guy i want to be able to tell tell him what it is and according to him anyway um and um you know, basically said that he told us, I've, I've got a guy. I've told everybody who it is. I don't want Illinois to know who it is. Um, but I've told, you know, both quarterbacks, they know who it is. They know who it isn't. All the guys know who it is. We're going to see it at practice, but you're just not going to know. You're not going to find out until, you know, the opener. And so I think it's a pretty similar thing here is that it's been, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, it's been conveyed that, Hey, this is back open again. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, he does not want to do this. He doesn't want to change mid-game. He doesn't want to change mid-season. This obviously is suboptimal. He would have hoped, obviously, to be in better shape by now. Um, but they're 3-5, and five, and, you know, quarterback play is a part of that. He hasn't been terrible, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of numbers that are not good. We're so looking at efficiency stats just, on your just computer right now. Just reference for anyone who's curious, Connor Bazelak is second in the conference in attempts uh, behind Aiden O'Connell. He is third in the conference in yards behind C.J. Stroud and Aiden O'Connell. Um, he is, if I'm not mistaken, he's, uh, he's he's first in the conference in attempts per game. Yeah. Um, but, and this is off cfbstats.com, which their qualifiers for quarterbacks in these, these statistics are that you have to have played in 75% of your team's games and average a minimum of 15 pass attempts per game played. Um he is 13th out of 14 qualifying quarterbacks in passer rating. He is last out of 14 qualifying quarterbacks in completion percentage. He is... Spencer Peters just passed him this yeah, weekend. Apparently. He is second to last behind only Casey Thompson from Nebraska in interceptions. His nine are second most in the conference behind Thompson and ahead of O'Connell and Peyton Thorne. So... The point is, I think that it's it's it kind of goes back to this idea of has Connor Bazelak been an unmitigated failure? No, right. There have been moments. There have been, you know, flashes. Um, he's had some good games. Mm. He is not, and he's also not alone in whatever responsibility there is to bear for what has gone wrong with an offense that just cannot consistently produce. Right. But he is the quarterback. He has gotten every single rep to this point. They have not put a backup in at any point this season. Yeah, with the exception of Wildcat snaps for right. Donovan McCulley. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Mm. But, you know, normal QB snaps, he's the only one who's taken them. Mm. And therefore, he does bear a decent amount of responsibility because of the nature of that position, especially in an offense that's going to throw the ball as much mm. as Indiana does. Um, the question is, particularly with Cam Camper out. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, what I, what you probably feel like you know and, you know, know what this is – the rest of this receiver core is capable of with Cam Camper mm-hmm. out for the season, torn ACL that was announced today. Yeah. Um, and also what it is not capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a change, I'm betting it's this guy right here, Dexter Williams. Yeah. Because he adds – a different dimension. He's more mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's also possibly got the strongest arm of mm-hmm. the, the three guys that are, um, that, that was always kind of the, the talk of him coming out of high school is he had great arm talent. And then 
Um, don't crush it. That's a stink bug. I see him. Yeah. I'm not messing with him. I know better. My my son calls them metapods. Um, we're, a, we're a Pokemon house. Um, you can tell how the, how this is, how the, uh, yes, how, how locked down the mind your banner studio is here in Bloomington. Um, but no, it, it, again, I don't want to speculate too much, but I I think people do want to ask the question of like, if Indiana moved on, where would they go? Yeah. And I think it would be not even necessarily because Jack Tuttle's, you know, declared his intention to transfer, but more just because like Jack Tuttle is not, it can't be the future for you. You know, right. he's, he's only because he's transferring even if he wasn't he only has one year after this right um, you've seen and a lot of you've seen a lot of Jack Tuttle right if you do make a change it needs to be in part because somebody else changed your mind that's kind of the other going back to your your, your comments about Allen and the way he approaches the quarterback position and wanting to know this is my guy and, and you know all that the other part of it is he needs to have someone change his mind right and to my mind, the, the only person that would do that would be Dexter Williams. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a clear logic to it. I mean, I, I, I wrote after the Rutgers game and kind of outlined, you know, here's what makes sense, here's what doesn't, um, as far as, you know, cha- making a change. Um, you know, obviously, you got to keep in mind, Williams has been functioning as the third quarterback. He has not taken a snap in college. This is his third year. He obviously, had the ACL tear last year, so he missed all of that season. Was close to getting on the field uh, as a true freshman in 2020. Um, but hasn't had any action yet. So there, there is, so there's, there's the, you know, two sort of sides of that coin of don't you need to get him on the field at some point in time? Um, you know, and, and you're three and five basically. And, and the odds of you not being three and seven after Penn state and Ohio state are extremely low. Um, doesn't it make sense just to give him a, give him a crack at it? And to your point, you take your best receiver off the, off the field. Um, they were obviously talking about guys I need to see more from, but I mean, obviously we've seen, Indiana's tried to live without Cam Camper before this season. Yeah. We know what that looks like. We know what that looks like. And and they've had and 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 in fairness, there were other, you know, receivers of equal talent uh, you know, last year. Obviously Ty Ty Freifogel did not perform as his standard had been uh, up until that point, and Miles Marshall the same. Um, but you know, now you're dipping into guys who, you know, they've had a handful of moments, but they've uh, the outside no, no outside receiver with Camper gone, has proven they can be a, go th- a go-to threat for this offense. You have two viable right. slots in Emory Simmons and DJ Matthews. Obviously, Matthews hasn't been 100% healthy since the hamstring um, pull or whatever he's got. But, you know, Anderson Kobe's had some flashes. Javon Swinton's had some flashes. Donovan McCauley obviously see- seems to project very well once he gets used to actually playing wide receiver. But... If if you if you're going to have a drop back passer, you don't have a lot of great go to targets. Um, so Dexter Williams gives you an element that neither Jack Tuttle nor um, nor Connor Basilak give you. And, and so, can in theory, and make life easier for an offensive wide receivers line. if yeah if, if he starts to break contain and receivers you have receivers that can go with him exactly. You can break off of those break off of routes and just go play football and and go you know make a play um basically there, there's some opportunity there now how ready can he be what are, what have his reps been like uh you know the rest of the season um you know basically as the third guy you you know i guess once you get into gameplay 
um, you only get so many, you know, good reps uh, for your third quarterback. You know, that's just kind of standard. Um, so what's, you know, like th- there's a lot of questions there in terms of what that looks like. How comfortable are they going to be? How ready are they going to be? But from that base logic of if you lose your best receiver, so your, your passing game is going to be hampered anyway, you know, um, by Connor Bays, like loses, you know, loses his biggest weapon, go find another weapon. And Dexter Williams, you know, would seem to have more weaponry. We're looking at his uh, his page right yeah, now. Yeah, so to, to give people just some background on him, because we haven't really written a lot about him. We've written some about him, but mm-hmm. this was a guy who enrolled early before COVID mm-hmm. during what became the COVID winter and spring. So he lost his first spring practice to COVID. Mm-hmm. Right. Or his first spring season to COVID. Lost his second spring season when he tore his ACL partway through spring. Mm-hmm. He was still recovering this past season. He would have come into a game once when Jack Tuttle got hurt at Wisconsin in 2020. He was all warmed up and ready, and then Tuttle came back out. Um, he was a three-star prospect out of Mount DeSales Academy in Macon, Georgia. Uh, they play very small school football down there, single-A football. He was two-time region offensive player of the year. Um, he was in the Blue-Gray All-American Bowl. He was Macon Telegraph Middle Georgia player of the year, which – it's like not not a big thing. There's a, I mean, they play really small school, private school football around Macon, but there is a lot of talent in in the middle of nowhere in Georgia and places you have never heard of, like yeah. Thomasville and Dublin and places like that. Um, as a senior, he had a little over 2,500 total yards and 29 touchdowns. Of those, 1,524 were passing yards. Um, he averaged almost 10 yards per attempt. He also run ran the ball for 984 yards at 7.3 yards a carry with 14 scores. He went 19 and one in his last 20 games. Uh, first school's first region champion and championship in 23 years. Um, over his last two seasons, more 5,088 total yards, 61 total touchdowns, and that's that's total offense. Out of high school, and he was a pretty early, if I'm remembering rightly. Uh, he was a Kane Womack recruit and a Kalen DeBoer recruit, interestingly enough. Uh, and I believe, I'm looking for his timeline here, he committed to Indiana in June of 2019. So he committed somewhat early in the process. Mm-hmm. In theory, if he'd played out his, his senior year, he probably would have had some more offers. But Indiana was, at least according to his 24-7 sports profile, his only Power 5 offer. Mm-hmm. His next best offers came from places like Coastal Carolina, Florida Atlantic, Georgia Southern. He had an offer, interestingly, from Navy. A lot of those sort of Sunbelt schools, Troy, Tulane, Western Kentucky – Indiana was his only Power Five offer, yeah. but I do remember the fact that Army and Navy wanted both wanted him suggests yeah, there's, there's, a certain something, a few things. One, you know, the, yeah, the de- mobility, one decent piece. human being, yeah, and then also um, maybe some of the an intelligent dude, and also, uh, but but also ability to run the triple option, yeah. Um, and I do remember Alan True singling him out when he signed, and just sort of saying he was a. A player whose arm talent intrigued him. That he was very raw, but mm-hmm. he, you know he, he talked about him the way that, frankly, Indiana's coaches since have talked about him. Just saying, you know, he's got he's got clear arm talent. He's going to be. Walt Bell said this earlier. He's going to be a really good quarterback someday. Mm-hmm. Will it be Saturday? I mean, I think probably the the odds are low, mm-hmm. but the fact that Tom Allen wouldn't rule anything out today tells you that clearly his mind is open to other possibilities. It is significantly higher than nothing. Is what That's I would fair. say. Uh, I don't know. This is the overwhelming likelihood, but it's significantly higher than nothing. I mean, I would still say, you know, like 
I, I think it's sort of pluralistic uh, odds here. I don't know that anything is 50. You know what I mean? Between the three of them. Uh, I don't know that there's 50% odds on it being Bazelak, Tuttle, or or Williams. I am not sold that it's going to be Bazelak coming back, but I think that's probably the highest probability. But I don't know that it's even 50%. Yeah, I think any of the any any of these three outcomes are possible. I still I I don't think it's out of the question that they move Tuttle in. I don't think it's it, as much as it doesn't change much. Um, he's still been the two. He is a you know like he's been a good good soldier. I, I think uh, you know um, Walt Bell likes him a little bit more than we realize. He does have. He's not light years faster than Connor Bazelak is, but. He's a. I think he's got a little bit more athleticism. I don't. I doubt that he has Dexter's. He is transferring, and he is transferring. Like I'm, and I'm not. There's no. There's. I mean, like I'm not saying. You, I'm not saying you hold that against him. There, yeah. I'm not saying you don't play him. You say, oh, screw it does you, nothing you're for leaving. your future. It does nothing. But, it, for your but yeah, you do look at it to some extent and say, well, but you know, yeah, we got games to win now and games to win in the future, and does right. this help? Yeah, How it much would not shock I, me to see both of them. It wouldn't blow my mind. I'm, I don't think so. I mean, and, and or even down the stretch, things could also change there. Like, again, they are three and five now. If they are not three and seven in two weeks, that will be that will shock the entire Big Ten, if not more. You know, like I, I, don't, I don't you know, they've got Penn State. They have, they have Ohio State, you know, like if, if, if they pull a win in either one of those that would stun everyone particularly obviously Ohio State you know but but even this week would be a pretty significant um shocker so you know like i i could see the idea of getting Tuttle some more time in an Indiana uniform before you say fairly well and send you know send your appreciation and also move Dexter in and give him a crack at it um you know like we're very close to this uh, season being a total wash for these guys. Not a total wash, but you know what I mean. Like just, but not good. Yeah. And I, you know, I could see all potential outcomes uh, for this. Again, I could see just throwing Connor back out there and saying, "Hey, this is our guy." They still have more years of eligibility, eligibility for him. We talk about him like he's a, you know, like like he's out of bullets. Um, he's still got time left, and he's thrown for almost twenty one hundred yards in eight games. So you know, like for as much as there's flaw there, there's also you know he's he. He's passed, I think, for I think only a couple fewer yards uh, than last year's team to deal last year. So yeah, let's move on and talk. Yeah, about that that was twenty one minutes of speculating on something we said we weren't going to speculate very much on. Yeah. So let's move on to Indiana seventy eight, uh, Marion forty two. That was the official final score once they deleted the second second half out of the box <laughs> score. Um, you know, I mean, big thanks let's... real quick to the stat folks. I mean, yeah. we were we were cracking jokes yeah. in the press room on Saturday, Mick, but they Mick had to the bust crew. their butt. Mick yeah, the crew worked hard. You, you had to bust their butt. You had to bust your really hard to fix a stat issue. It takes a lot of work, and they were there for a while after the game fixing everything. And now it, it seems pretty functional. Now I want to talk about it usually. I want to go a little deeper, um, just because mm. I, you know, I know a lot of people didn't watch this game, and I'm guessing they sure. will have digested a lot of the, the talking points. The Malik Renew, um, a few things that that jumped out to me. Number one, Jalen Huchifino's uh, mid-range jumper. Number two, mm-hmm. Race Thompson hitting three threes. Mm-hmm. Number three, one, two, three, four, five different players hitting a three, which yeah. feels relevant. Yes. Um, number four, Xavier Johnson going two for 11, um, but still with a positive assist to turnover mm-hmm. ratio. Yeah. And then, you know, Logan Duncan 11 and 11, I think, is, is just worth bringing up. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I, I, you don't want to draw too many conclusions from this, but you do just start to take sort of mental notes of things like maybe Jalen Hood Shafino has a a mid range jumper that can get them a shot 
in a Johnny Davis-esque last mm-hmm. 70 seconds of a game kind of situation, or maybe we were going to see more of C.J. Gunn than we thought we were going to see of him. 22 minutes, yeah. one of the first players off the bench, and that shot looks college-ready, particularly yes, it does. from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it does. You know, this, this, this team... We spent so much time talking. And there was an extent to which this was inevitable mm-hmm. because you need to see them to know ultimately what's going to matter. You can you can try to overlay what happened last year and you can, you know, like the like the viral clip on Twitter did the other day, you can prognosticate like a prognosticator about what might happen here or what might happen there. You, you need to see them to understand like the, the hard and fast realities around a team. Um, but... I will say there's there's more intriguing bits and pieces out of this than I would have thought Indiana was going to have from this game. Yeah, no, I mean I think th- there's a lot interesting because it, part of part of it is is that um, you know Trace Jackson Davis and Tamar being Bates being out um, one allowed for more guys to play, but also you know maintain some level of mystery. You know, I mean I I don't think. Um, uh, you know, the, the way they've talked about it or, or, and certainly what we've seen, what we saw in limited action and sort of inner squad stuff between the Hoosier hysterics event back, back in August, Hoosier hysteria itself in October, um, you know, you've seen, you know, you've seen Tamar Bates being, being used in interesting ways. Uh, you know, and obviously Mike, Mike Woodson was even saying that, that he and Galloway have been played, played together in backcourts with those two guys operating as point guards. Uh, you know, basically just them being put in more situations where they have to handle the ball and make decisions. And so we didn't get to see all of that with Bates out. Uh, and with Jackson Davis out, obviously renew starts. Um, so we don't get a better sense of what, um, how, um, Woodson sees this full backcourt or full, full, full front court. I'm sorry. Um, you know, basically how he's going to find, um, you know, when, when they're all together, how is he going to find minutes for Jordan Geronimo? How is he going to find minutes for renew? You know, uh, you know, basically how, how big of a, um, what is, what are the minutes going to look like for race Thompson and trace basically like how, you know, constant they want to have them on the floor. They have to lose minutes just to make sure the other two, uh, very talented guys get on the floor. You know, again, uh, we saw some moments from Geronimo, um, it, you know, him sort of operating on the perimeter, whether he was technically the three or not, is hard to say, at least I couldn't, you know, really tell, but, um, and, you know, based on personnel, it wasn't obvious, but there was just, there was a lot interesting. I mean, obviously we talked a lot about Logan Duncan after media day. Um, and, you know, I, you can't. You're not going to predict 11-11 for him every night against better competition. But that, that's a functional basketball player. That's a guy that can be a backup five in the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked so much in the off season about the, the whole sort of starter to bench flow for this right. team. If if Woodson is going to use his bench the way he used it last year, Malik Renault and Logan Duncan looks a lot better than Michael Durr. Yes, and you mm-hmm. know, Renault's got. A smoothness to his game, really good pace to his game. Physically, I think he's probably in a good spot. Mm. I, I, I compared him to Trace Jackson Davis. Lower body and core seem really well developed. Mm. Upper body still needs to come along. That's the way Trace was as a freshman. That's perfectly fine. Logan Duncan wasn't physically dominant, but he had to fight for some of that stuff. I yeah. mean, like he had to yeah. you know, there were some there were some second jump rebounds in there, some tip rebounds in there. Yeah. He had to scrap for his eleven and eleven. And I think there's value in that for a guy that like when his play- teammates talk about him, I'm not trying to be harsh on him, but they they do tend to sort of talk about him like he was lightweight last year. Yeah, like he was just too too lightweight. They 100 percent do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I know it's only Marion, but to just you know the, the intangible of seeing that guy get in and mix it up mm-hmm. and then get those results, eleven and eleven does seem meaningful. 
Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, I, I, I mean, it was a lot closer to what I heard he was. I mean, between I, I didn't get to see him a lot in high school, um, but you know, between um, the people I talked with at Archbishop Muller and uh, you know Mark Adams, obviously who we've known forever uh, at Indiana Elite, and obviously I've talked to him about a lot of players. Um, you know, he, they were just talking about just man how good of a rebounder he is, and just just how tough he can be, just going out and getting the basketball. And then you saw this guy walking around last year, and we're like, we talk about the same guy. Like, who 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 was this? Who, who was I being sold on? And this was a lot closer to it. And 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 again, I've already mentioned it on here. And and um, but you know, I, I I trust the the analysis of Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson at this point. I mean, you know, we've been around this too long enough, and they're smart guys when it comes to basketball in particular. I mean, they're smart guys in general. Um, but you know, they're vets. They know what it looks like. Um, basically, you know, what what you have to do to be successful in this league. And you know, when we got to talk to them on media day, and in, in really candid circumstances and the kind of roundtable stuff we had, uh, they were really honest about the difference. Um, I mean, this the way that they expressed genuine surprise at the fact that towards the end of the summer, Duncan could push them back. Uh, told me something because it said they were not used to that. They were used to being able to just take it to him whenever they wanted and 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 push him around. Um, and it was basically like their little brother finally stepped up and and did something because they'd just been punishing him for an entire year and and they, um, you know, did what they wanted with basically impunity and and were were more or less just ripping his soul out on a daily basis last year. Um, and you know, and and basically they they found some real pushback. You know, Trace was just talking about getting the forearm in his back and race got pushed and he turned around and he's like, who is that? Oh my God, it's Logan. All right, Logan, here we go. Um, you know, like they, that was, I think those were sort of genuine, I think expressions, um, of seeing real difference and and seeing him take it seriously and, and you could see that show up. I mean, he's not the swiftest of foot. I mean, even uh, you know he had one really effective move that that was very slow in developing, but he did get there. Uh, you know, for a layup. Uh, you know, and I think we saw Mike Woodson kind of laugh like, "Oh my God, what did I just see?" But you know, he got there. He had some moves and he was he played tough and he got out to the basketball. Um, you know, and that's what you need. I mean, you know, basically anything you get from Duncan is a nice bonus. Um, you know, if, if, if you get if you get even close to 10 minutes a night from him, you know, like that can really help you if, if he's functional um, because you already you have other guys. Um, but if, if you get 10 minutes from him like that, that helps particular matchups, bigger bodied guys, taller guys, um, you know, like if, if he can take the Michael Dorr rule and you also have Renew and Geronimo coming off the bench in that front court, you know, that, that adds an element that makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, and it, it does get back a little bit. You're right. Like without Trace Jackson Davis and to some extent Tamar Bates, it's hard to understand exactly where everyone was playing all the time. You know, I mean, is, is Geronimo playing the three on the second line? Does that mean Bates is effectively the second point guard, the second two line guard. point? Yeah. Point yeah. guard. Trey Galloway, maybe sort of a, a is it a, is is it a two one is it a one two mix at the second unit the same it, way it I is on it, the first unit? Yeah, I think it might be a little that, bit. That, I mean, that's how Mike Woodson was talking about it. Um, I mean, the second line, that second unit's intriguing. Then you know, I mean, it's it's obviously mm. rough around the edges. You wet, you ask who's going to hit shots. To be fair, you ask that in the the first unit sometimes too. Right. Um, it is very big. It will mm. probably be very hard to score on. I think right. that's. You know, that, that, that's maybe one of the things that, again, you know, I mentioned this when we had a conversation in a recent podcast 
we've talked so much about Indiana and where it can go offensively mm. and not enough about where it needs to stay defensively. Right. You do start to build up that second line, and it's mm. if it really is Bates, Galloway, Geronimo, Renew, Duncan in some form, or maybe in some games, maybe Duncan gets exchanged out for CJ Gunn. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, like that, that shot looks. Yeah. It like looks his, ready. I mean, the mm-hmm. way he sets himself up, the speed of the release, mm. the, the form, the mechanics look really. I'm not saying he's going to hit 100 threes this year, but it just, it looks good. It looks like he's yeah. ready to hit 53s as a college freshman, which would be yeah. a, a welcome addition to this team. This. Fifty may be a lot, but I mean that's not a ton. Though. If you I mean, get thirty out of CJ, if you get thirty-three pointers out of this year out of CJ Gunn, that's that's important. Yeah, I mean that's that's one that a game. matters. That's one yeah. A game essentially. Yeah, you'll take fifty. That. Is fifty is only like if you factor in that's what Parker Stewart hit last year. Yeah, I mean if you factor in even like a, a handful of postseason games, fifty yeah. is basically one per game. Is like one point five per game. Yeah, essentially. If you get yeah, if you get thirty, that's a big deal. You get twenty twenty-five, you'll take. From that coming off the bench, where he's going to be? No, I mean, I, I think, and to this, I think, kind of speaks to why I don't think it will be a hard and fast first and second unit, um, or, or why I think that will at least have to be somewhat. Why it will be a little movable, bit more flexible than more it was last fluid, year. more flexible because I think you know, I mean, if you think about it this way, like you can have two, um, you can have a big. First, you know, a big one, big, you know, big two and small one, small two, where you could have like you, you could put I, I think you could put a, 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 a very good first five. That's Tamar Bates to three. You know, I think you could put, uh, you know, Xavier Johnson. If, if Tamar Bates seems to be one of your best five guys, if he is as much of a breakout as it seems he is, then and, you know, with with, you know, then you can put a six five guy with long arms at the three in modern day college basketball and you can put Xavier Johnson, Jalen Hutchafino, and Tamar Bates together, and then you have your two bigs race and trace at the four and the five. From there, you know, I mean like again, so maybe Tamar, you know, like maybe you have Tamar or Hutchafino running the one with the second unit. Um and that's not, you know, a full scale hockey shift type of deal. Um, you know, and then you can have you can have Galloway in there. Um, you know, you can have Gunn in there. Um, basically, if you want that to be part of your second unit, you can have Cop as part of that if you want. I mean, there, there, you, maybe you, there, there is a whole bunch of fluidity. I think you can have a bigger second unit that includes Jordan Geronimo and a bigger first unit with Miller Cop, um, or you know, you can put Geronimo in a, in a more defensive-minded, um, you know, first unit if you can trust John Geronimo to to guard guards. Uh, you know, guard three type. You know. There is just a whole bunch of fluidity that I think can be very matchup based um, that they could take advantage of. It just it, as much as I understand what value Mike Woodson sees uh, in a true second unit that can play together. Um, you know, again, I, I think he's seen it in the NBA and it works in the NBA um, for a reason. And I think he thinks that's an advantage he can create. And I don't think he's stupid for thinking that at all. Um, but I think this unit, per, you know, this group allows for a lot more ability to be flexible and fluid um, with regard to matchups and not feeling it has to be, you got five here and you got, you know, five there. You can play. And it's worth saying like it, in the NBA, that's usually how it works. Like the, mm. the, it, it, it isn't this rolling thing in the NBA where, you know, you have your first five and then over the course of two minutes in a staggered, Mm-hmm. You, know, you you sub those out for your next five, and then right. you stagger back in the first. Like that's the way it works in two K live mm-hmm. when you don't, or NBA two K when you don't. Mm-hmm. You just let the computer set your rotations. But like in real life, like I'm like 
I'm a Hawks fan. I've been watching the Hawks these first few games of the season. They've been running with this lineup that, frankly, has not worked, but has, has been basically DeJounte Murray with a bunch of backups. Right. And and then, like, they'll run, you know, deep into fourth quarters, like five, six minutes left before they bring Trey Young in, the idea being they want Trey Young as fresh as possible for the end of the game. Right. So it's it's, you know, it was at times – I think Woodson started to find some some ways to get away from it, some reasons to get away from it because of the way guys were producing in, in late February and in March last year. Jordan Geronimo had some mm. some moments. Obviously, the Xavier Johnson, Trace Jackson Davis thing, I think, caused him to really pull back the reins on some other players' minutes because he just felt like he needed those guys on the floor so much because it was working so well. Yeah. But there was a decent amount of just sort of like this is the formula. These guys just sort of roll in and roll back out. That's not usually at the NBA level how it works. Right. And I think if you could get Mike Woodson in a candid moment, he would say, well, it doesn't work that way when I've got a team that's as genuinely sort of competitively deep as like maybe this one might be mm-hmm. where I can chop it up a little bit. And you yeah. might see a little bit more of Xavier Johnson with the second line. Yeah. And then and then what happens is he rotates out and you see more of you know, the quote-unquote first line finishing first halves mm-hmm. with Jalen Hood-Shafino at the point. And that's not because Hood-Shafino is better than Johnson. Mm. It's because I left Johnson in. for yeah. ex- I, I, I yanked him out for Tamar Bates mm. five minutes into the game. Yeah. But then he came back in three minutes later and played the next eight minutes. Yeah. And so then, yeah, he sat the last four minutes of the, the, the half. But that's because I had him running point with the second unit for eight minutes. Right. The the NBA, the best sort of bench setups aren't just hard and fast. Here's the one. Here's the second one. Here's the two. Here's the second two. Here's Mm -hmm. the three. Here's the second three. It it is, it is, you know, sort of, it it is, Mm -hmm. it is shuffled around a little bit more strategically. Right. And I'm guessing Mike Woodson might think he can do that with this team in a way he couldn't with last year's team. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there's there's just a lot of ability to move parts here, um, I, I think. is There's just a lot of guys who can do different things at different positions. A lot of ways to, again, mix and match, change things up, play bigger when you want to play bigger, play smaller when you want to play smaller, um, and you know get a lot of shooting on the floor, when, or a decent amount of shooting on the floor when you want to, get a lot of playmakers on the floor, you know, guys that can, can attack off the bounce from the perimeter, um, you know, guys who can guard guards, guys who can guard bigs, you know, like there's just a lot of moving pieces here. And I think, you know, one, one of the points I tried to make, you know, just writing about, you know, Hood Shafino and Renew um, after the game was just, and, and we've talked about this already as far as where we see this team. I mean, the additions are real. Like, we're, 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 they're not just team running back. This is not the same group you saw last year. It's you just, it, I think it's, it's felt like that because the, the, the change elsewhere in the Big Ten has been so much more dramatic and pronounced. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas the story around here was, geez, look at everybody who's sticking around. And then the flip side is there are so many question marks mm-hmm. among that group of here's a couple freshmen. Right. Here's a guy who only played 20 of 35 possible games last year. Here's a guy in Jordan Geronimo who's teased all the potential in the world, but never right. consistently put it together. Here's yeah, Tamar and, Bates, and you still don't have like a clear. Should, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's it, it's just been it's been so easy. And mm-hmm. We've done it just as much as anybody to to bend more toward the you know Indiana is what you know what you believe in. Right. 
even though really there is, I think to your point, like a lot here to still unpack and try and figure out what are these guys doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's just like, what, what can this piece together? But, but I think the thing about it is, is like you, you, you look in every direction and you see possibility, you know, as opposed to, oh man, they're really, you know, they're really screwed if, if this goes down, if, if they find themselves without this guy. I mean, like, I mean, this is another thing too. Like they can, you know, like knocking on wood for the purpose of not feeling like you ever want to wish this on somebody, but like this team can sustain injuries, you know, like it's One or not, two, it, it's depending not, on what they are. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody can sustain. It could like, live without Xavier Johnson for three weeks. Right. You I, know, I like, don't know if it could win a big 10 title. If Trace Jackson Davis is out a month, it doesn't win a big t- title. If Trace Jackson Davis is out a month, but Malik Renew can win you games. Um, the bottom doesn't fall out. That's fair. No, the bottom doesn't fall out if you're starting Malik Renew at the five. It doesn't. You know, you, you're not. You don't want to go up against Michigan, Illinois, whoever else it is that you consider a Big Ten favorite without him. But you can put Renew in there, get points and rebounds. You know, and not not feel like you are overwhelmed. Uh, you know, you, you don't want him against. You know, like he's not beating Zach Eady. He's not beating Hunter Dickinson. Um, you know, when he's going up against them one on one. But I don't know. There's another Big Ten five man that you're afraid of him. Especially because I mean, just to, to touch on him briefly, and I know you wrote about him um, and Huchivino both. Um, unless I've lost my mind between Saturday this was correct. That's what it's definitely possible. Saturday. My my son yes was. Frankly, awful yesterday. Um, if we're just the kids, just get called out on. If this we're podcast, just being man. completely honest, <laughs> Jackson did not have a great Halloween Eve. Um, the and the good news is, we're going to give him so much more candy today. Yeah, he's going to be so much um, better. Renew. I said this a little bit earlier. Like, there is great pace to his game, and what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, you know, young bigs can get a little bit overwhelmed by the physicality mm-hmm. of the college level or the activity, how much more complex defenses are. That's right. the one piece. Like we were talking like Montverde is probably more talented than Marion. I'm guessing definitely. I'm, more guessing, talented than I'm Marion. guessing Marion is better coached than Montverde just because Marion ah. is a, no, first of all, <laughs> okay. Timeout. No, no, he's no. a really good coach. Don't Scott Hetty has won multiple state yes. titles. Yes. I'm, I'm not saying I'm Montverde not is that. poorly coached. What I'm yeah. saying is at the college level, you get more time with guys to introduce advanced concepts. That's true. That's okay. what I'm saying. I'm not okay. saying it's bad coaching. What okay. I'm saying yeah. is there is more Cause, depth. Because you don't build what Kevin Boyle has no, down there if no, you're not a really good coach. To be yeah. really clear, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is, and obviously it's also different at the prep level, the right. prep school level, because you do get a little bit more time with guys. Right. They can yeah. be more focused on basketball. Yeah, they don't the, have to be at the college first, level, second period. dealing with yeah. A, guys mm-hmm. that have played more basketball. Mm-hmm. So they, they're just more experienced. So right. there's more you can put on their plate. And B, you get time with them in a more advanced sort of setting to sure. build layers to the concepts that you're trying to execute. We saw a little bit of zone, but it's not just as simple as like, oh, now we're going to play zone. Yeah. A college, even at the NAIA level, a college zone is going to do things most high school zones don't do yeah no that's and true. so that's 100 that, percent true. that is what i'm trying to say okay. i want to be very just, clear just making sure that we're like shooting down yeah no that is yeah. not what it, what i was suggesting <laughs> is just in college there's there are layers and complexities you can build into what you're trying to do right. that even at the elite prep school level you probably can't do right because okay. your guys are younger mm. they probably don't spend quite as much time on basketball mm. even in a, a, a prep school setting like right. montver right and you just don't have you, you you usually don't have as big of a staff right all those different kinds of things so anyway mm-hmm. my point is 
young bigs, even ones that have been exposed to high, high level basketball, the way Renew has, mm. tend to get sped up because mm. they think I'm going to get blocked or right. these these players are so much quicker or that's another difference. You know, strength and conditioning, like mm-hmm. players are quicker, they're stronger. Um, you know, the, the 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 gains they make are more targeted to what they're trying to do mm-hmm. in some in many cases. Just the 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 pace at which Renew played his game when he would get the ball and he would make his mind up, like I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna head fake right and then I'm gonna turn back left mm-hmm. for a right handed hook shot. Right. He did that at a really good pace. Mm-hmm. He didn't go too fast. He didn't right. go too slow. Right. He didn't doubt himself. No. There was just sort of a like ball, you know, shoulder, ball, turn, shoot. Like it yeah. was it was just very like he was doing it at practice. Yeah. And young bigs struggle with that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of all the, the stuff we we talked about. Mm-hmm. Seeing and again, it's just Marion. And yes. The talent level, undeniably, that he was seeing yeah. in Montverde. But he practices. was facing. I mean, w- w- like they got D one transfers on that team. Yeah, you know, um, and and obviously, you know, if you're if you had the transfer from D one to NAIA, um, you know, that suggested you probably weren't getting too many minutes where you were at. But I mean, he p- played a uh, you know, I mean the the kid who was um, their five man to start, uh, I think played at Arizona State, you know, before he transferred to Marion. So you know, he he wasn't playing. You know, just uh, some you know skinny kid they found from somewhere in the state. You know, he this this was a this was a dude, and he you know re- renew just he, he guy, guy didn't have any answer for no you know really at all. Um, and so he yeah, couldn't like, get renew off his game. No, and that's not at easier all. for people to visualize when you talk about like a point guard who's yeah you know knows when to pass, when to shoot, when to go right. downhill, when to yeah. pull the ball back out, how right. to cycle things through. But, but when you see it, you know what I'm talking about with a big. Yeah, is a guy that just even when you're putting your body on because you get to put your body on him in the like, post. It's like you're not there. He is doing it at his pace, yeah, his speed, mm-hmm. and he's got the physical strength right. and the athletic ability and right. the basketball skill. Basically, such that you can't stop it. Yeah, it's muscle memory to this point. Like he knows what he get, like. It's it's sort of like automatic when he gets the ball in the post and knows that he could do it's it. Very there's nothing mature. you do to take. Yeah, there's nothing you do to take take him off his game. And frankly, I was just going over this. Cause I'm going to write about Renew later this week. Um, and just going back to what again Thompson Jackson Davis said about him when we talked to him at media day, and it was a similar deal. He said you can't speed him up. You know, it's like and and Jackson Davis even said like we couldn't guard him when he got in. He says he was killing everybody. We had to figure out ways to make it harder, which I guess they eventually did. Because, you know, like, Trace is an All-American. He's going to figure out a way, and he's all Big Ten defense. But, like, it's it just right out of the gate. It's like, okay, like, this is not a guy that you can force into mistakes, even as a true freshman. The, the stuff that you can do with other freshman bigs to, you know, get them out of whack and be like, oh, my God, I've never seen defense like this in my life. Renew's like, okay, I can just counter off of that, you know. Because he's be been fine. coached in high school. I want to exactly. be really clear. Kevin Boyle is, and Ray Miller return not, our calls. I, yes, I was, I was very clear. <laughs> yeah. I was not criticizing them. I was just saying these step up right. to a different environment. And that's yeah. not to say Malik Renew is going to be great against everybody. Zach Eady would be mm. different against him because Zach Eady is huge. Right, exactly. You know, Hunter Dickinson is – I mean, Clifford Murray is, is one of the best defensive centers in the country. Yes. It would be different. But that you see a guy who's got – you use the term mm-hmm. muscle memory – the confidence in it, the just the the, the, mm-hmm. the smoothness of just sort of like boom boom go boom boom go, um, that stuff is is you can teach it. Most freshmen don't have it yet. 
Right. The fact that he does mm-hmm. is very encouraging. Yeah. No, absolutely. Puts again, just puts them in, in a much better position. He's just he's ready to be a, a, a rotation guy today. Period. End of story. Somebody asked you know. me about Xavier Johnson, 24 minutes, 2 of 11, 0 of 3 from behind the arc, 4 rebounds, uh, 3 assists, 2 turnovers, 2 steals. They said, should Indiana fans be worried? I, I, I just, I think this is just kind of X. Xavier, yeah. Xavier Johnson's going to have games like this. Yeah, he is. I think, I mean. But you can weather him better when right. you have Jalen hood Shafino Exactly. Going for 11, 4, and 3. On 5 and 8 shooting and being just really precise. And CJ Gunn drops in a couple threes, and Tamar Bates comes off. Again, if we presume Bates is a better player, yeah, you can weather this from Xavier Johnson and it not feel like it's disrupting you as much as it might have a year ago. Right. I think, too, I, I, you know, so double two edges to this particular sword. I don't think he made a lot of bad decisions. I, I, I didn't see a lot of bad decisions, that's, that's and, that's, and that's an issue that we obviously saw from him last year, that you saw some bad decisions. I think he is just much more comfortable running the offense and just on, on the basic level, you know, where Mike, we, we really got Mike Woodson talking about him on the pick and roll last year. I, I think he has a good sense of, okay, w- what his vision is. You know, basically when he's getting downhill in the pick and roll, you know, all right, what am I looking for if I want to throw a lob to the big? What am I looking for if I want to kick out? What am I looking for if I want to go to the rim? I think he's slowed his mind down that he feels pretty good about that, and just that matters. And as long as he can do that with the amount of speed he has, getting downhill with the basketball and creativity around the rim um, is important, and that makes him, him a weapon. The issue, the thing that you that I would circle and say, okay, this is, I don't wouldn't go so far as to say it is a concern, but it is just simply a reminder of what kind of, you know, that, that what his skill set is and is not. He missed some makeable shots from the outside. Yeah. And, I, and, you always and wanted, it is still not a pretty shot. You, you always want a veteran to figure out where that balance is between, mm-hmm. you know, shooting so he finds his shot. Right. And not overdoing it such that he's wasting possessions. Right. You know, this is also probably a game where, like, if Trace Jackson Davis is on the floor, not that he doesn't trust Malik Renew, but he throws that lob a lot more. Yeah, there is some and, more, or, I or mean, just there's enough. There's enough moments where if he's presented a fifty-fifty of a shot, or back it out and throw it to the big. Yeah, if it's Trace, he maybe he backs it out a couple more times, and maybe he's right. two of nine. But yeah, right. And so the thing is, it's just it, it is a reminder. Like he made a bunch of them last year, and that made a difference. When he's really, I mean, he was a three-level scorer and their best three-level scorer uh, down the stretch. But it's one of those things where that's not a given. You have to be sort of reminded that he he didn't like figure out he didn't fix his shot in a way that you can trust him to be a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter for eternity. You know, like he's going to have some nights when he's off. That doesn't mean he can't get right again. You know, but I think that's I think that it is sort of a reminder that Xavier Johnson outside shooting is a roller coaster situation. You know, there are going to be nights uh, when he's not exactly on. And, you know, he might have a stretch where he hits for, you know, goes four of six uh, or something along those lines. But you can't sort of just pencil in, you know, his late season shooting statistics and say that's your baseline. You know, you're, you're going to have that. That's a, That's kind of a given that you can walk in the door with. Um you know, it's going to be tough. So that that like you you don't know. That's I, I mean, I think right out of the gate, I think Coach Fino is a better shooter. You know, just watching him, just just from from the form, from how comfortable he is taking it, from what it looks like. You know, I ultimately think when you're talking about outside shots, from anything from 15 to 25, Coach Fino is going to be the better shooter. Now, that doesn't mean Johnson can't make any. That doesn't mean he shouldn't take them. 
I'm, you know, he definitely should take them. Um, I think you'd like to get, you know, see if you can get a little bit less of a hitch, a little bit less of a push. Um, you know, like you're not going to drastically, you know, fix him, um, you know, at the end of October, beginning of November there. Are, but I mean, I feel like there are small things you, you want to have him doing to feel a little more comfortable, a little more repetitive shot. Um, but you know, he's going to make some, like, it's not like he's going to go out there and shoot 15% from three or something horrendous. Um, but you know, like it is a reminder that, 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 that thing's not automatic. Um, a couple little bits and pieces. And then I want to finish with Jalen Huchifino cause we haven't talked much about him. Indiana shot 51.6% from the floor. I wouldn't worry that much about that. They were 58.1% in the first half. And there was definitely some chuck and chase going on once the back end of the bench got on the floor at the end of the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. I still contend they need to take more than 19 threes a game. Um, I think that, you know, they've, I mean, they were, they went eight of 19. That's a perfectly sound number. If you could shoot 42.1% from behind the arc on 25 threes, this team would win the big 10. I'm confident mm-hmm. in saying that if they averaged 25 threes a game and they shot 42%, they would win the league. Yeah. I would, um, I would be confident that anybody would win the league. <laughs> but well, that's fair. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Even yeah. 40%, even 38%. <laughs> yeah. My point is that number still needs to come up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Jalen Huchifino briefly, uh, because we are at about 51, 52 minutes already, mm. 11 points, four assists, three rebounds, five of eight from the floor, missed both his threes. They look fine, you know, form wise. Yeah. A couple turnovers and a steal. The thing that, that jumped out most to me, I'm going to reserve sort of, you know, conversations about his, his defensive capacity until I see him playing high mm. major players or at least division one players. Um, that mid-range jumper is something Indiana has not had since Armand Franklin left. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it is a weapon because most people don't shoot it. And most people don't shoot it because they shouldn't shoot it because it's not a very efficient shot for most players. Mm-hmm. But the guys that can shoot it consistently, mm-hmm. that is a it is a tough shot to defend because you tend to design defenses to basically take away the two shots everybody wants. Mm. And in a late game situation in particular, right? think about Johnny Davis in Bloomington last year, it's hard to develop consistent – it's hard to develop plays that consistently get wide open looks at three. Yeah, There's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. You need a lot to go well. Screens have to be set smoothly. Everything has to be paced well. And if you're in a situation where there's eight seconds left on the shot clock, mm-hmm. you have to do it very fast. You don't right. get a chance to do it twice. Um, it can be hard to get to the rim because mm-hmm. in a late clock situation, everybody is just going to naturally, if the ball starts to go downhill, just right. collapse to the rim and hope that, they, they, that somehow they can do something that affects the shot right. or gets the rebound. The mid-range jumper, for those who can shoot it, is mm. a comfortable in-between. All mm. you need is one good screen yeah, to put yourself in the lane, off the bounce, or a lot of people won't follow you if you flash to like the free-throw line extended because they'll think, well, he's not shooting a three or whatever. Right. Um, but it's also a way you can pick up a foul on a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way you can get a clean look because again, your bigs in a lot of those situations are not going to want to leave a big by the rim because Mm -hmm. their thought is I'd rather make him make a 15 footer than go out to him. Let him just dump the ball around me and have trace Jackson Davis make Mm -hmm. a zero foot dunk. Right. Indiana did not have that last year. And I think they could have used it. 
I'm not saying you pull it out all the time, but it is a, a, a tool for the toolbox that I would just keep in mind for tight games later on this season. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a, a, a sort of another simple way to look at it is you, every team could use a guard that can shoot for where, from wherever they get stopped. And by that, I mean, like, if you've got the ball in your hand and you're dribbling and you're trying to get to the rim and someone cuts you off or, you know, you, you, like you, you come to a double team or, or whatever, you could use one guy who no matter where they get to the get to the floor, get to on the floor with the dribble, they can pull up and shoot. Whether that's, you know, again, if they can come off the screen, but also if, you know, if, if they're dribbling downhill and someone makes it so they can't get to the rim or they see something they can't get to the rim, can pull up right there and hit it. Wherever that is, whether that's 8 feet, 10 feet, 12 feet, 25 feet. Um, somebody like that that can score wherever they have the ball on the floor, you know, like all the way in. And yeah, Hood Shafino is that guy. They did not have a guy necessarily like that last year, except Johnson down the stretch. You know, Bates showed flashes of and it early Johnson, in the season. His biggest weakness was that mid-range jumper. It was, like but he, he had a couple he, of them. He had a couple, but he never he found a couple, it consistent. No, but, but there were He got were a lot better some. from behind the three-point line than he, he did, did from the mid-range. He did, but there was something there. But point of the matter, Hood Shafino is further along with that right now than Johnson is, Johnson was. Yeah, like, um, you know, yeah. Xavier Johnson shot 27.8% on... What hoopmath.com refers to yeah. as two point jumpers. Yeah. Flick, hit the toggle. Let's see how many out of how many. Uh, 30 out of 108 on two point jumpers. So anything that's not like close to the rim. Yeah. Or, um, a, cl or a clear. Yeah. 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 So, so I think out of that, so you had race, you know, race was hitting that floater more frequently, became more of a thing. Trace obviously gets some of those. Um, you know, but I mean, he probably had as many, you know, he hit more than that, a lot of other guys. So, bottom line, there was something there, but Huchafino is further along on that today. So, Indiana plays uh, another exhibition. I just want to make sure I get this absolutely right. Mm. Thursday at home against St. Francis before next, what, Tuesday's opener? Is yeah. that right? Next yeah. Tuesday's? Next Monday's opener. Next Monday's? Is it, is it Monday? Yeah, it's Monday. It's because of Election Day, isn't it? They have They're to give, moving off of it, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. because they have to, they're giving everybody Election Day off. Yeah. So they play Thursday night against St. Francis at home, 7 o'clock. Then they host Moorhead State. Moorhead State's a curious game for me. Um, mm. their, their Ken Palm rating is not great mm. and has not necessarily been great, but I mean, Morehead State's got a little something like they've, mm. they've had some good years in the OVC, including the last, they've in won the 46 games in the last two years. They've won 30 games in the conference in the last two years. Yeah. Um, obviously Ken Palm does not, that was where Sean Woods was for a little while. Um, Donnie Tyndall, Donnie, Donnie Tyndall before that. Kenfried period. I went to go. Uh, there you go. When I covered uh, when I covered James Madison, we had to go to Moorhead State for a game because they did it with the uh, the point is that, that is one of those programs that's got a little bit of muscle memory of winning. Yeah. Um. Mm. That that is is interesting. Now again, I, I don't know exactly what their mm. their setup is this year. Ken Palm has them 223rd after finishing them 118th last year. Right. So there's every possibility that. Some guys are gone that I'm just not aware of. I have not turned yeah. my thoughts. I, I don't know if you have to Moorhead State yet, but I nope. find it intriguing. But between now and then, St. Francis, Thursday, we'll grab you 
Sometime toward the end of the week. Yeah. Maybe maybe Friday we'll we'll throw something together on that. Because, again, I know people can't really watch these. Yeah. A lot of people don't have BTN Plus. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, Penn State. There we go. Between now and then, this has been the longest this is the longest Minder Banners we've done for a while. Yeah. He's Dustin DePerrick. I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Happy Halloween. Eat a Snickers. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.